You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Robert Smith. Today's guest started his career as an entertainer and now finds himself as the vice president of Triangle Talent. He's an absolute expert in specialty attractions in our industry. And to be quite frank, if not for his encouragement, my Conjure Fortune Machine attraction may have never happened. He joins us today from his home in Missouri. Mark Sparks, welcome to the show. Yay! Hi. It's, it's Mark Sparks. Do you remember the conversation all of us had at Florida Fairs in St. Augustine in, in May of 11 that hatched the Conjure Fortune Machine? I do. I do, because it was one of those moments that as, as often happens, especially in state trade shows, where it was just us. It was just yep. the acts and agents and such, all the exhibitors in the trade show by ourselves with no you spend many walking minutes around doing that. asking questions, no customers. Yeah, that happens yes. a lot. So, um, and uh, yeah, I remember that quite well because we were discussing different ideas and uh, you had um, quite a brain trust there in the booth. Yes. Uh, and somehow, I don't Now, Here's what I don't remember. I don't remember how the topic of the fortune telling machine even came up at that point do you you no, you weren't there you were that you were the second stage of the conversation so okay. i was talking with um i know richard renner richard renner was the was the brain behind mm -hmm. it he was the original um greg frisbee was there I, there were a couple other folks there ron i know ron diamond ron was. was floating around but my whole thing was um i i expressed to the to the group that I, I used Steve Hamilton, his flying, his magic carpet as an example. Right. I said, you know, right. he's just a magician. He's just a strolling magician. Right. But he put this character around it that changed the presentation. And I remember saying, I want to do something like that with magic because, you know, my street magic show, as I've always said, if you line up 100 magicians, I was probably like number 51 or 55. I was not amazing amazing i was not awful well was you, were, you were doing you were doing what i would call in in, in in music parlance i would call it the cover act yes you were doing the standard street show yes it was just very stock. magicians will, magicians will know what we're talking about yes. they can probably right now in their head go down and check <laughs> off the list of tricks you know so yes yes right the card on the stick the invisible deck the cups and balls all the same stock stuff mm -hmm. that we do but I wanted something unique. I loved what Steve did with the with his flying carpet. The first time I saw it, I was like, "That is amazing!" And literally, all it is is a strolling magician. But he yeah. he plussed it, as as Walt Disney would say, he plussed it. And so the idea was, how can I do magic but plus it? And there were four or five or six ideas that got thrown around. That was like, oh, I don't know about that. And then Richard goes, "You remember the movie Big?" Said, yeah. And he goes, "You remember Zoltar?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "You should do that." You should okay. build a box and get in it and be Zoltar. And then like people press the button and you do a magic trick and you give them a fortune card. And I'm like, that is a dumb idea. <laughs> Yo, no, I remember that. Cause you were, you were adamant that it was a dumb idea. And Rich and I were adamant. We were fighting over who was going to build it. He, yes. he or I was going to build it. If you weren't going to do it, we were each going to build one. Yes. And um, I remember that just, just to prove you're wrong. We were going to build. One. <laughs> yeah. And that's when I got, and I was still fairly new. That was May of 2011. I was only probably 18 months into really doing con conventions regularly. And, uh, I, I stopped for a second. I thought, okay, you know, at that point, I don't know, Richard probably had 20 some odd years of experience. You probably had 20, 30 years. I, you know, you were very combined. There was a lot of experience between you yeah, two. We're two old dudes. That's what it is. We're just, old yeah, dudes. I didn't want to say it, but yeah, y'all are old, <laughs> old fogies. Um, but I thought I went home and 
I talked to Sarah about it and she goes, well, they know what they're talking about. And I, and I couldn't get over initially here I am with the street show, or even if you put me on a small stage where I can put, you know, hundred, 200 people in an audience. And now you want me to climb in a box where literally one or two people at a time are going to come up to me. It didn't make sense to me, but I took a deep breath and I said, well, these guys know a hell of a lot more than I do. I'm going to try it. Now we're just confident in our opinion. That's all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's definitely that with, with you guys. It's, it was, um, it was, it's been an experience. You know, when I first designed it, it literally was people would press the button. I would do a magic trick and give them a fortune guard. Exactly like Richard said. And then I was at an event where here in Albuquerque, I was testing out some stuff with one of the local city events, which those events, you know, I I do those early on in my career. I do them for almost nothing just for the opportunity to get out because this thing needed road time. It needed to be in front of people to develop. And a lady came up to me and I did it a little, uh, some magic trick for her, some close-up trick. And she liked it. And she, I handed the fortune card and she goes, oh, is, is this all it is for the fortune? And I said, well, what do you mean? And she goes, do you do palm reading or anything like that? And I knew like minuscule amount of palm reading, but I'm like, sure, I'll read your palm. I'm like, let's see where this goes. Before I knew it, I had a line that was an hour and a half long waiting to come experience conjure. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm onto something here. And over the years, it just developed organically. I listened to what the audience wanted and responded to it. And now it's, you know, it's a money, it's a moneymaker. And it's, if I haven't made it clear before, I will make it very clear now for you, everyone listening without the creativity and encouragement of your team from triangle. I don't think I'd be where I am in this business. And for that, I'm forever grateful. Well, I'm, I'm, Honored and, and uh, proud of what you've accomplished, sir. Thanks, man. Uh, you know, almost everyone in the industry knows who Triangle Talent is, what you guys do. But for the nine people that listen to this show, <laughs> once well, you give us someone, a- let's face it, if someone's new in the business, in the fair <laughs> business, you know, it takes time to know who the players are. Yep. And and if you don't take the time to learn, shame on you because you, it's even if you never plan to work with an agency. You really need to know who you need to know who the buyers are. You need to know who the fair, who the agents are that specialize in fairs. You need to know who people learn who the rodeo providers are. Learn who the carnival people are. You never sure. know where that information might come in valuable. Um, but yeah, so Triangle Talent started in 1960, originally as a recording studio in Louisville, Kentucky, and they uh, about a year into that. They had a record, one of their artists that had come in to record had a record on local radio and they started getting calls for how to book this act. So kind of by default, they became an agent, an agency. And then in uh, 1970, uh, Dave Snowden uh, bought the company and he to this day is still uh, the owner, although Clay Campbell, who was our president of the company, is buying the company from David at the moment. that process has been slowed down by 2020, but of lots course. of things have. So, you know, anyway, um, so the company started doing fairs in the early 70s and uh, actually booking grounds acts was how they got into the fair business, was booking some grounds acts because, uh, you know, it's like anything else. You got to get your foot in the water somehow. You know, you got you to start. And now uh, the company books and produces uh, for fairs we do 
the concerts for a lot of state fairs around the country and large county fairs and even some small ones. I mean, we're, we're not proud, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we try it. We, we feel like we're able to provide the service money, to all money, money, man, money is money. <laughs> well, there's that, but it's also, it's also, um, we're able to take our experience and knowledge from doing these bigger shows and apply the same thing to the smaller clients where they may not get that from a, uh, from a less experienced company. Absolutely. So, so this is 2020 was actually our 60th year, but we're only starting to celebrate it right now. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. There was no point. We talked about it. We were all too concerned and too busy as was everybody else in the industry about how we're going to pay the bills. So Uh, so we're starting our 20, our, our night, our 2020 celebration of our 60th anniversary in 2021. That works. Yeah. You know, yeah, take, us, take us back to March of 2020, you know, Houston cancels. And I think that was the first big domino to go falling down. Yeah. What, what are you thinking as an agent's perspective when Houston of all shows cancels? Well, I had actually, um, I had acts at, uh, Sarasota and, they were going and like a lot of fairs, they had planned it. They're going to open, and I won't go into all the behind-the-scenes stuff with with the city and the county and the fair and everything. Uh, that's their story to tell. But they were going to open, and it was on opening day. They were going to open at two o'clock, and they were a little bit late. Gate people were at the gate to get in, ready to start. The food vendors were cooking food, getting ready. All the shows were set up and ready to go. I mean, every the fair was ready. You know, open the door, let them in. Let's have some fun. And shortly after two o'clock, management came around to all the performers and the vendors and said, uh, "Guys, the we're not going to be able to open. The county won't let us." Uh, and in that case, what happened was they're not a county fair, but the county, the uh, sheriff, pulled all the deputies for security, <clears throat> and. They couldn't have a fair because there was no security at that point. So, um, the the you know so that was our first big blow was that you know the acts that were there we negotiated a uh, a settlement with the fair because you know they've already spent the money to get there. Everybody's got costs in. Yep. Yeah. Everybody knows that your by the time you've arrived you've already spent the you know a big chunk of your expenses. Yep. You know just getting there. So um, that was the beginning of it. And, you know, we were watching other fairs, but like you said, Houston's one, the, the big ones were the ones you had to watch, but it also, um, it, you know, it really didn't become really real to me until probably end of March when the, the role of cancellations just started coming. I mean, yep. it's, you know, if you can imagine what it's like for an individual act, multiply that by a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, and mean, for you, that's a lot of phone calls. Either the fair's got it. I'm guessing, how does that yeah. line of chain of command work? The fair just calls you and says, Hey Mark, sorry. And then it's, it's you and your team that have to make a right. hundred phone right. calls. So what happens, what happens there is the, first of all, the fairs, it, it's, it's the phone call they don't want to make. Yep, you know, yep. and you just, you can hear it. I mean, because as we know, especially those who've been in this business for a long time and in the fair management side, there's a lot of lifers in this business that have been at it 10, 15, 20 years or more. And so this is not just a business or a job. It is a personal uh, part of their soul that they're, that the, you know, that the fair represents. So, you know, they're calling, they're very 
apologetic, which they don't have to be apologetic. We all, it know, is, what it is, know what's going on. And, um, you know, as time went on, it got, I don't know if it got easier to accept those phone calls. It, there was no surprise. I'll put it that way. And every time I'd call an act, it'd be like, I'd be like, Hey, this is Sparky. Oh, let me guess who canceled this time. Yep. <laughs> well, then that's why I was calling because you know, it's what happens. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really easy when those things happen to go down the rabbit hole and because, you know, left, left to its own devices, the human mind typically goes in negative places. It goes to very dark places. We've seen that right. a lot in the last 60 days. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you know, you, it's, it's, you know, my job as an agent is not just booking the act. It's also being a confidant to the clients and my client, I have two clients in every job. I have the, the buyer and I have the act. Right. So I've always thought my job is as a translator. I translate the, the weird thoughts and requests of the act to the fair. And I take the, the, the seemingly unartistic decisions of the fair and translate them to the, to the act, you know, For so sure. that everybody hopefully has an idea of what the others are thinking and, and uh, life goes on. But um, yeah, so it was, it's been hard because there's been a few conversations with acts that have been tough. Um, you know, some people don't handle this kind of thing. Well, uh, nobody wants to deal with it, but you know, here we are. And yep. I wake up every day and, you know, keep going because that's what that's you all you can do. I mean, right. you know, and then speaking with other guests on the show, the, almost all of them as those first cancellations, the spring cancellations came in mm. almost unanimously. Everyone has said we were thinking two to three months, you know, right. end of May and middle, middle end of June, we'll be out. And then well, by July, we'll pick back up. And most of us, I mean, you know, <clears throat> that time of year is not at the busiest time for, for the industry. Right. You know, um, you know, July, once July hits is when we start seeing the big onslaught of, of, of bookings and, you know, but as it got later on and then we start getting the calls, I remember, uh, labor, uh, uh, Memorial day weekend, um, the Ohio, the Iowa state fair announced that Friday that they were going to postpone the 2020 fair to next year, to 2021. And I, uh, uh, the fair manager has a, has a house up at Lake of the Ozarks, which is about an hour from me. So I went up there and hung out with Gary and we had a couple of beers and just, cause I know his family was tired of listening to him, <laughs> you know, as, as, as happens, you know, yeah, sometimes yes. you just need somebody to listen to that you're not related to that gets it. Yes. And you know, you're not trying to find solutions. It's just, sometimes you just got to talk about it. And, and I've had those conversations with lots of fair people and lots of acts and, you know, and it's surprising. I bet you found this too. The number of, of people that aren't in our industry that didn't even think about how COVID might affect us. Oh, yes. They have no clue that it totally shut down anything to do with live entertainment, live sports, fairs, concerts, all of it, movie theaters, anything, kids birthday that, parties. I yes, mean, anything that has to do with people getting together, got the plug pulled on it. Right. Right. And you know, 
And then people also don't think about the fact that we actually make a living doing this. Yes. Because how many times do you get at people when people say they'll see your act, they go, now, what do you do? What do you do for a real job? Oh my God. Even God bless my mother for the longest time. It wasn't until I came home with my, she years, she was saying, so when, when you finally get a real job and finally I came home with, when you, when you wear out, when you grow out of this, (laughs) I yeah, I finally, and I'd been working at that before I, I got into fairs really full time with IFE. I'd been, I'd done New Mexico. I'd done small festivals and events and was working Mm -hmm. on trying to build locally. And then I did IFE and I booked Puyallup. What the, you know, the now Washington state fair. And my mom was like, so wait, you're going, you're going to be gone for how many days? I'm like, well, it's a 17 day event. And um, she was like, so when you come back, are you, is it that, is that when you're going to get, go get a real job? I've heard a real job so many times. And I think I can't remember hundred percent, but I think I might've finally shown her the check and her eyes were right. like, Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, yes. and then, you know what happens sometimes I've had, I had an act one time whose uh, spouse didn't like him being in the industry, not because of the money, but because she didn't think it was right that he could go work for such a small amount of time and make that much money. Yeah. Oh man. From a family of, you know, a long, long line of wage hour people right. that, you know, don't understand that how, how is it this guy just shows up for five days and gets paid, you know, all that this much. Money. Yeah. And respect to them. I mean, I, people that are working on wage hourly jobs, they're doing mm-hmm. their hustle. They're doing their thing. I have nothing against that, but you're hundred percent right. The number of times that, and I've even dealt with it, I think within the industry, sometimes when you get a new entertainment manager or somebody uh-huh. that just can't, you quote a rate and they're just not they're They try to compare it to what they make in a day. And, right. and my thing is, you know, but I, I have costs, I have development costs to create the act. I, you know, to drive across the country to buy my hotel room. And I, I have to cover all these things, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, no, it's uh, I ran into that originally in, in uh, corporate bookings as a performer, I would, uh, you know, you, you get interviewed by the uh, uh, human resources person. And when you tell them how much you want for an hour show, they, they immediately go, well, the most we pay anybody an hour at our company is this much, you right. know, and you have to explain, it's kind of like a doctor you've had, you know, you've had a few years of experience and practice getting to that point. So, <laughs> But yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. It's, um, it's been a real soul searching experience for myself, even, I mean, because I have, well, first of all, working from home, I've always worked from home. So the office right. side has always been here. So that's, that's never been a, a, a problem, but, but being home, I have not been home for this length of time. I, I don't even remember. You're probably in your twenties. The last time you were home for oh, that length of time. Even before that. Back, yeah, because I was I was already I was touring at 19. So and you're 39 now, so yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so 20 whole years. I know. But no, I have it, it's been so bizarre being home. And it's been great on some, you know, it's um I've gotten a lot done. You know, a lot, a lot of route because we have we have a forty acre. It's I mean, we call it a farm, but it's not a it's not a working farm like cattle and things like that. But we have forty acres, and there's always maintenance to do with buildings and you know landscaping and things. And then um, and then there's the fact that my 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 lovely wife uh, at one point she, I, I said to her back at the early part of the summer I said you know or back actually back in the spring I said 
honey, I don't think I'm going to be on the road at all this year. And she says, oh, no, 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 that's not going <laughs> to work. Not, yeah. No, no, no. Get you got to go someplace. Get out. <laughs> so fortunately, uh, Lubbock happened, the South Plains Fair in Lubbock. Yep. And so I got, I was able to get away uh, for a couple of weeks and go earn a paycheck. And, and uh, I actually remembered how to do the, the, the show business thing. Cause you know, it's a little tricky getting it restarted, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it was so, it was so funny, Robert, because all the acts that were there, I mean, I had, uh, uh, we had animal acts and stilt walkers and, you know, just your, your regular plethora of stuff and every single one said, hope I remember how to do this. And they weren't joking. Yes. They really weren't joking. Yes. And I felt really bad for Tim Balster because, uh, you know, he had been there before with his Kid Bucks game show, but he was debuting uh, his Wheels of Ag show there. Mm -hmm. And he had planned to debut back in, you know, earlier in the season. Well, he only had one date. So he had all summer to really fine tune it. And I mean, the guy did a great job. He really had everything set up for our, our current COVID conditions. You know, it was really impressive for a, a kid's game show right. to be totally set up for that is, was impressive. But anyway, so yeah, everybody was trying to remember how to do things and uh, you know, how does my sound system plug in and all, I mean, just all the basic stuff. Cause we're, we're just so, and, and we're all out of shape because we're not yes. used to doing our show. And I don't mean just physically, but mentally you're out of shape. You know, because you're not, you're just not doing that exercise of doing the show and doing the setup and there's no repetition. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. <laughs> I mean, even, even our friend, Kevin Ridgeway, I remember he called me, <laughs> called me after the, he tore down from the first date and he says, I, I am beat. I'm, I'm thinking, yeah. okay, if, if Charles Atlas of the modern generation, you know, is worn out from uh, tearing down, I don't feel so bad. Correct. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. My struggle for the one event we did this year was Sarah and I gotten down loading, loading play with giants in and loading it out down to a science for how fast we could turn it exactly what to right. set up when, what is right. the most efficient order. We can get that thing at 1500, 12 to 1500 square feet. We can get set up in about two and a half hours. I want to say it took me the better part of five to six hours. Cause I'm like, Oh wait, the carpet needed to go in here first. <laughs> Everything was out of order. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, since everything else goes on the carpet, that's kind of important. But yeah. yes, yeah. So I mean, I know it's been a struggle for everybody. Luckily, a few of us managed to sneak one in or two in. But mm -hmm. I know some other entertainers who've been forced to start other businesses. Some of them, especially if they already had CDLs, maybe they started into doing right. freight or delivery with Amazon or whom, you know, maybe it wasn't Amazon, but whomever. We all know it was Amazon because that's who's hiring everybody. Um, but what about you guys? I mean, how does Triangle Talent? how does an agency survive in the middle of all this? Like no, no acts getting paid, no commissions to you guys. How does an agency? Oh, no, no. I still, revenue? I still, I still charge commission. I, I that was, the, I should have known. Yeah. I should have known. <laughs> um, just to be clear, I did not charge commission. Okay. Everybody just, yeah. All right. Anyway, yes, he did. Uh, <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> but, uh, that was my standard answer though. When the ax asked me how we were getting by, I said, well, you got to pay your commissions regardless. So yes. Pay it anyway, ahead. Um, well, we got fortunate when the first round of PPP came in um, a paycheck protection program money, we applied for and got that. So, uh, and I, you know, it's a funny, I'm, I'm a straight commission salesperson. I don't get a, a salary. I don't get, you know, a, a base salary or anything like that. It's what I book is what I earn. 
and I, and that's my, by my choice. I like it that way. But so for the first time in my life, every two weeks, the same amount of money showed up on my, in my savings account. It was really weird. I've never, <laughs> I've never seen, never had consistent pay like that. <laughs> Look, honey, it's the same amount of money. How, how is that? It never does that. <laughs> So uh, but then it went away, you know, so after after the eight weeks, it was gone. I was like, oh, right. So uh, so that helped a lot. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, we've been in business, like I said, 60 years. So there, you know, there was some, you know, some uh, uh, what do I want to say there. There was a, sur- a little bit of a surplus. And, you know, there was there was some help. There was some you know, additional assistance financially. Um, but you know, if you know, it wasn't for those things, I don't know where we'd be right now. Yeah. You know, Cause it's on. not like, I mean, even with a, you know, a fair might be able to help concessionaires out by doing like a fair food drive through or a drive-in movie event where there's some, yeah, but there's there's nothing some for us. yeah, for same with entertainers, we're just sitting here going, I mean, right. Conjurer can't go tell fortunes anywhere right now. You know, there's nothing. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we did, we booked a few, um, drive-in shows with our fairs. Uh, we, we, um, booked uh, uh the christian act for king and country uh they had a and they had a there's been a lot of drive-in attempts they to me they had one of the better business models which is why we we jumped on that one it made the most sense um but you know even those there's not it's not enough money to it doesn't replace the money that we normally of course make by any means you know part of it was it was just nice for everybody to at least have a you know go do a gig you know, that's yeah. sometimes it's, you know, we, we forget these are the, these are the times that make you realize that once again, you get in this business, not because you make a living at it. That's a, a, a side effect benefit of doing something you enjoy and hopefully doing it well. And so, you know, the, you know, we, we were feeling the same, you know, uh, lack of performance anxiety that it, all the acts were, you know, because, you know, we, as an agency, we're one that goes out and produces the shows typically for our clients. So we're on the grounds at the fairs and, and, uh, and as you, you know, how it is, you, especially fairs you do year after year, you have a lot of friends in those towns. Yes. And I have a lot of uh, hometowns that I'm, I'm home for two weeks around the country and, you know, or one day or two days or whatever. And so it's, it's tough when you don't see those people, Yep. you know, it's just, there's, um, you, you just don't realize you take those so many things for granted. So yeah, I think there's a lot of us. Yeah. So I think from a gratefulness standpoint, I, I am more grateful than ever before uh, in my situation in life and the, and the being fortunate enough and lucky enough back in 97 when Dave Snowden approached me about joining the company, because I wasn't looking for a job. I was booking myself and booking my friends and just was growing that business. Right. So it's uh, I, I feel very fortunate very fortunate yeah i did i did too for the one one event we did with abilene this year i remember just getting on the road i I realized Mm -hmm. i know i mean i've always loved traveling but you know for all of us we get to that point come end of october november where it's like god another six hour drive another eight hour drive but are we home yet oh my god how much just getting in that truck and driving felt good it was for me the the intangible of what it the play on the mental health Mm -hmm. you know and being able to kind of clear my head and refocus and go okay 
yes, we're going to have to worry about making sure we're safe with COVID and making sure we're keeping all the games clean or there's going to be some extra legwork. Right. But just the just to get out and do it again, that we pulled on the fairgrounds and the Ferris wheel set up and it, there was just, it felt like the stress came off of my shoulders. Like, okay, there is some light at the end of this tunnel. It may be little glimmering little bits that takes a while to get through, but mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's, there's some hope here. Right now, I think it seems like um, most of the 2020 cancellations that at least that I had are all rolled over to 21. But in right. speaking to a number of them, so I think mainly because I work, so many of my fairs were West Coast, California fairs, stuff like that, that a lot of them are waiting until about 60 days or 90 days out from the fair to officially reconfirm the contract. What are you guys seeing with rebooking at this point? Well, it's, it's case by case, you know, um, example, some of the state fairs, because they are totally state agencies, uh, they can't, even though they know they need to be planning now and booking now and everything, uh, they can't do anything without permission. So yeah. there are some of them that have their hands tied and I feel bad for them because that's, it's tough because as you know, it's January and by now, a lot of bookings have already happened usually. Yeah. And it isn't, they don't intend to bring the acts back from it from this past year into the 21 fair. It's that they can't, they don't have permission to confirm it. Right. Um, so personally right now I've got about, I think about two thirds rolled over. Um, and the ones that haven't are just because once again, it's, we're waiting, we're waiting. That's all. Um, I've heard, you know, I've heard some people say that very little happened, very little rolled over or that they already had, you know, I mean, if you already have a booking for 21, that's one thing, you know, that there's some challenges there. Sure. The real challenge is going to happen when the fairs, these earlier fairs, you know, like South Florida fair and West and um, uh, Florida state Tampa. Fair yeah. are moving to their, their full fairs into the spring. Well, you know, what if that act that was going to be there in January exactly. is already booked in April or May or whenever Cheryl's moving? Well, but not just acts, Robert. It's also food vendors and, yep. and animal people. I mean, it's everybody. Yes. Carnivals. Just to, and you know, so there's some, there's going to be some challenges for everybody going, you know, this year. Um, but I will tell you that from a, the public's perspective, if you have an event, I have a feeling they're going to show up because. Lubbock, uh, Jennifer Wallace is the manager there. She had she had planned on fifty percent attendance and fifty percent carnival carnival revenue. Attendance was over seventy five percent of a normal year, mm-hmm. and carnival revenue was through the roof. Yep. So, um, yeah, she still had a lot of expenses because she bought, you know, all the hand sanitizing stations and all the, of course, you know, the liquid to to fill it and. Uh, and a person people are hired just to do that job. So there's some, you know, there was extra expense, but nonetheless, it was still, she still made money. And, you know, a lot of fairs canceled because when they did their projections, if they, if they were at the time allowed to have say 30% attendance, well, they'll lose more money doing that than they would not having the fair at all. I had several cancellations for that exact reason, even right. in states that would have otherwise been allowed to open. Um, you know, one of my fairs down in Florida was exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I, for the most part, I've noticed the industry, you know, the entertainment side, at least everybody I've seen, 
uh, and some of the groups I belong to on Facebook and just in conversations, everybody's pretty understanding. There's been a couple of people that, uh, uh, yeah, you're smiling. I'm not going to name any names either, but um, the, the, the I quote tried on to, Facebook. I, I tried to calm him down. I know the quote on Facebook that just I, I still can't get over was an individual act said that the fairs were cowards for not going through with their fairs awful and that the industry owes us <laughs> and that is the most asinine arrogant statement i have ever heard from anybody in our industry yeah and, and i work with entertainers mind yeah, we you all okay? say stupid stuff sometimes <laughs> we all get ahead of our mouths run a little faster than our brains you know sometimes. and, and our, was, our heads get, get big that was patently you know, offensive and unacceptable what was said and i don't want right. to names but i was disgusted by it yeah no it's it's uh it was shocking that somebody actually had that opinion but once again we've learned a lot about a lot of people this year uh family friends and and otherwise and yep. um uh you know you know in my heart i'm hoping that it, it allows a lot of us to go forward and and um hopefully realize something good about ourselves and correct the bad things about ourselves well, and you know, I think we've had such a year that's been so difficult, not only, I mean, the pandemic's going to be difficult no matter what, right. but then you throw on top of it a very contentious election cycle, which I don't know how it is in other countries. I've never been in another country during an election, but America likes to throw down when it comes to elections and, and talk a lot of crap and polarize us. And, uh, you know, when I was talking with John Sykes for the show, for his episode, I I have my political opinions. You have your political opinions. But when those the Ferris wheel lights turn on, no one comes up and presses Conjure's right. button and Conjure goes, oh, are you a Republican or Democrat? I don't care. I want you to get a little laugh at what I'm saying, take a fortune card, make a memory, get a picture, and enjoy your time at the fair. I think we more of us need to get back to that, focusing on what matters, you right. know, where we fit into things. We're all welcome to our political opinions, but we got to chill. I, I, there's a lot of Americans that need to take a big, deep breath right now. Uh, one of them happens to be on that, you know, one of those Facebook groups and just, we got to keep working forward for the mm -hmm. good of our industry and for the good of each other. Speaking of that group, uh, I know you popped in earlier and you saw <laughs> the question I asked, but I, I posed it to them, um, that I was going to have you on the show. And, and if they had any questions, of course, Tracy Thompson down there from, uh, Dade city in Florida wants to know. What's your favorite food at the Pasco County Fair? Easy. That's easy. Strawberry pizza. That's strawberry pizza at the Pasco County dude. Fair? Oh, dude. <laughs> I'm salivating. Jim Ward, Clark, <laughs> you guys are holding out on me. I will give you a discount on my rates. <laughs> Book me so Ooh, I jump on that one. So, yeah, it's, a, uh, it's like a uh, graham cracker kind of crust, right? All right, okay. so it's all buttery. So it's got you got the the, the dough. That's what the, the crust is, and then it's got this really great strawberry puree with chunks of strawberries. Uh, oh. Yeah, no, that that's the only reason I show up to the fair. Tracy knows that too. So, <laughs> Jim the Spoon Man wants to know when I remember. I remember these days. When's the uh, next production meeting, and what should he bring? Um, well, I mean, if he wants to show up at my house. Always a production meeting in in Missouri, Today, right? <laughs> you know, as soon as we're done with this, with this, I mean, you know, uh, and you know, any craft beer will will do. So, uh, 
that's that's that, that's fine. And craft beer is the price of admission. Yes, yes. And J- J- Jimmy's been to a few production meetings, so you know, right. You know. <laughs> so there, it wasn't all it wasn't all jokes. I knew as soon as I posted the question about having you on the show that I was going to get some smart aleck answers with a group of entertainers. But one had a really good question. Buck Trout wanted to know mm-hmm. if you foresaw entertainers were going to need to adjust price quotes for fares moving forward, or are we sticking with current prices? And I suppose that adjustment could be, are we taking this opportunity to adjust upwards or are we adjusting downwards? Well, let me ask you a question, Robert. Yes, sir. What do you think has happened to the budgets at the fairs? Well, one of my other questions is the example of, you know, a fair that might have a $100,000 budget might only have a $40,000 budget now. Exactly. What I'm finding is that in the fairs, you know, it's one thing if they're booking you for the, you know, if they're rolling over, it's kind of hard for them to come back to you and say, hey, I mean, right. I've heard of it happening, but not very much. Right. You know, can you, can you take a discount? Now, what they're doing is either, what I'm seeing is, where they have say five acts grounds acts they may only book four this year yep so you know is it better to have five acts working but all of them take a 20 percent pay cut or is it better just to have four acts and one stays and a fifth one stays home i don't know i don't have the answer to that um you know from the from the client's perspective they get the same end result other than they don't have that fifth act you know right that, that act there uh, but on the other hand, it may be an opportunity for local acts to, you know, dip their toe in the water of the fare industry. So, sure. cause they can come in at a far lower rate than the rest of us right. can, cause they're not right. traveling. Exactly. Um, so I haven't seen, I haven't experienced too much of that yet. Um, I have also seen on, uh, in social media, some acts saying they're going to raise their rates to make up the difference from last year. And I'm like, Okay, so if you want to Maybe. quit working in the business, good for you. But yeah, um, you know we're we're not we're not an isolated entity here. This is this true. I mean, I know it's a trite, overused saying, but we are all in this together in this industry. In that, none of us have been able to have an event. Correct. So, you know, that means the fairs have no money coming in, and it also, by the way, folks, it means they have no money all year round coming in because right. they they're non-fair they rentals gone also right right and in the case of like one of my clients the ohio state fair just the month of may they lost like two million dollars in rentals <sighs> two million it's just, it's just money that i'm sure at some point makes its way into the fair's budget and, well it what it does is it's it's operating money for the rest of the year right it's it's payroll it's it's utility sure. bills it's all it's all the stuff that keeps them open so you know if I have not run into too much of it, what I mean, the main conversation with, with uh, fair buyers is something along the lines of, so what do we do if we have to cancel due to COVID? And that's, that's the number one question. And, you know, for us, it's really simple. If you roll over to the following year, we'll just roll it over. It's no big deal. We, right. you know, now, if the act has had to show up, you know, once there's expenses involved, then that's a different conversation. But that's right. a once again a case by case basis. Um, Do you think we're going to be looking at more more deposits up front or step deposits? You know, you well, know. you still have fares that cannot pay deposits legally because their their charters don't allow them. They're good. They're correct. County correct. governments don't allow. Them. Once again, county or state, a lot of county and state fares that are 
that are truly attached to the county or the state government, they cannot pay deposits. They, right. They'll build a multi-million dollar building in the county with a $1 deposit to make it legal, but they don't pay until it's done. Right. So, um, and I'm not a big believer in deposits with fares anyway, because I've I honestly have only been hosed by one fare in my life. And I've been, I've been hosed by, Church groups, school groups, Cub Scouts. <laughs> yeah, you know, I remember when I was fifteen. I sat in the in the pastor's office of a local church in Springfield, Missouri, until the minister finally came out. Because everybody who walked by me, I told them why I was there to collect my money from that. I'm the magician from last week, <laughs> you know, and I, he didn't pay me. Oh yeah, but but fairs, I never have had a problem, uh, yeah. and I get it. I understand that for some people if their main bulk of their bookings are one time of the year that those deposits help, you know, get the, get gas in the tank and all that kind of good stuff to get them down the road to start sure. with. But um, so to answer your question, yeah. I mean, you could do step deposits where there's a, a maybe a third with the contract and a third before the fair, then a third at the end or right. Um, I think, but once again, folks, flexibility is going to be your biggest friend in this because Amen. just because you've decided what's right doesn't mean it's right for them. And remember, they've got the money. You right. don't. Right. We need to be moving forward, pushing the ball downfield with all of us at the goal of mine of getting these events open and getting them financially stable Absolutely. again. Absolutely. No matter what we can do, anything we can do to help, you know, um, it's, you know, there, there tends to be a, a mistaken perception sometimes with acts that the whole reason that the fair exists is because of them. And it's not because of Conjure, really? Uh, well, besides Conjure. Okay, yeah, cool. Besides, as long yeah. as there's an exception in there. Yeah. But I remember, ha I remember having a, a conversation with an act that when I told him he wasn't going back to this particular fair, he's like, oh, well, they're going to see, I hope they're going to be happy with the drop in numbers they're going to see. And I'm like, <laughs> it's like, dude. There's 300 seats in your in the in the venue you were at. It was standing. You may get 500 people, you know. But uh, in his head, there was 5,000 people there, you know. And yeah. the whole reason people showed up was because of his act. And, um, uh, you know, we're just we're just as Richard Renner says. Richard uh, has the best quote about that about our position in the entertainment world. In the entertainment world, we are but plankton. Plankton. We are plankton. That's it. Yeah. Oh, we are. We're just one little part, one well, little part of this big giant. And if picture. anybody doubts that, go back to any fair's Facebook page who had to cancel and look at all the comments. I guarantee you, with cancellation, <laughs> 60, 70, 80% of them were, What about the kids and the livestock? What are we doing with that? What about 4 H and F? No one right. was like, But what about the juggler? Right, right, right. <laughs> yes. Oh, that. They pay him really yes huh. i've i have a friend who is related to if entertain fair entertainers were an item at the grocery store would we be the milk and steak at the back of the store or would we be on the tabloid shelf at the checkout <laughs> oh mommy 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 yes. i want a juggler i want a juggler yes that really oh, is where we're at. last week no yes. yeah that's where we're at though we're we're literally an impulse buy i think yeah. to some extent well, and, and, and we're valuable as, part of the industry, but right. we're not the livestock. We're not 4-H and FFA. No. That's what the driving no. force behind the industry. Right. Especially as well. The reason fairs exist at all is because of livestock and agriculture. 
Yep. And no one better forget that because uh, even though, okay, quick, quick, fair lesson for the axe. The, I love how you're te- you're telling the axe. So if you're a fair manager and you're listening, you can skip the next couple of minutes because you already know this. Yeah, well, but I just have to like to like I like them to know that I'm somebody in the entertainment side that gets this. The the reason their charter they have to have agriculture and agriculture entertainment. I mean uh, education. There's nothing in the charter that talks about food, carnival, or entertainment. That is the business side of the fair. That's how, that's their, that's their draw. And to get people besides those interested in agriculture to come to the fair. But the agriculture costs them money. They don't make money on ag. Right. They make money at the admission gate. They make money on rental of booths. They make money selling concert tickets. Um, and Grounds Entertainment, we are the, the bonus. We are the, the, the plus factor in the price of admission. Right. So, you know, some years, some fairs as you know, if you've been this long enough, you've seen fairs that, that ebb and flow in their budgets and you know, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, never think that we're the reason they exist. Boy. Oh no, no. And I've known a couple of entertainers that they sure believe that they are the reason I've had fair managers call me and say, Hey, are you available? Cause I talked to this guy and see, man, yeah. you know how it is, Mark, cause fair managers, when they're annoyed, they will talk. And I've well, heard some names named and I'm like, wow, they did what? Yes. I'm available. Only, and yes, I can make yeah. you a price. Well, not only is it a small industry, but you know, here's a good comparison. Um, I, I for a while, uh, I was working really hard in the casino industry too. And the difference between the casino market and the fair market is right. Is just exactly what I'm going to tell you. You know, I've I've moderated a bunch of sessions for for fair conventions over the years, and they're great because when your panelists are kind of dried up on on what to talk about, you can always count on the audience, the fair people, to have good questions and and or maybe you ask, hey, what did you guys do that worked and or didn't work? And they're always good. I mean, you, you'll you can fill a whole day with that. In the, in the casino industry, I was hosting the same kind of panel and I said, uh, okay, so it was on promotions. And I said, so uh, I see a lot of fair promotion. I mean, uh, car, uh, casino promotion people out there. Tell us what's worked for you guys. Nobody raised their hand or spoke. Why? Because they're all in competition with each other, <laughs> right? They don't want to spill the beans. And the, the job turnover rate in that industry is so high that they're all gunning for everybody else's job. So they don't want very, to tell their secrets. Very cutthroat. Yeah, very cutthroat. Whereas in the fair industry, there's only a few examples where two fairs are even in the same marketing area. Yep. You know, for the most, and even if they are, they still, they work things out. They figure it out together. Right. So, right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not much happens uh, in the industry that, that I don't hear about, you know, because acts will call me fair managers, entertainment buyers, carnival people. I mean, it's just like, you wouldn't believe what just happened. You know, I mean, you know, we are a small business. We are a small uh, industry that, that we all know each other and we all talk. Yep. So, you know, do they owe us? No, they don't. Not a damn thing, no. you know, and 
I, I just I, my thought process is comes from a place of what is it going to take, and, and that doesn't even mean for me to get booked. What's it going to take to get the events in the industry financially mm-hmm. viable again? Because I can't even think about getting myself booked until that happens. Until I we know that they're viable. Because like well, you say, the money's coming right. from there. If if the coronavirus went away <laughs> right now on January fourteenth. The fairs like West Palm, their their mini fair opens tomorrow. Right. Uh, Manatee County opens tomorrow in Florida. Even if it went away today and the world, the world leaders said no more coronavirus, go go about your regular business, it would still take a year for the industry to recover. Yeah. I think we're looking, I think we're looking at two years at least. Yeah, I've said 18 to 36 months real consistently. Cause even like I've said, and this it's funny you say it like that. I, I've said it exactly the same on the show previously. If it disappeared, there's so much fear that's been cooked into people mm-hmm. that even if they said, oh yeah, man, it's a miracle. There's no more virus anywhere. People would still be real hesitant. So you might be able to have your event, but you might still be down 25 or 30% in attendance because people are just not comfortable coming back just yet. Well, there was a, uh, you know, the, the uh, IAFE virtual show this year convention, there was a session uh, talking about, you know, there was a lot of sessions about, you know, the post coronavirus fair industry. Right. And, uh, and by post, I don't mean after it's over. I mean, right now going forward. Um, and I cannot remember what fair manager it was. I wish I could, but, but, uh, on one session, he said, folks, you just got to realize that there is a percentage of our former client base that is no longer going to be coming to the fair. That's it. They're just sobering to think about. Yeah. Because there, there are people who have looked at this and gone, Oh my God, I've been so lucky all these years, you know, that I haven't, you know, died from some horrid disease out in public. So, but it's not just a fair there. There's people that are going to be afraid to go out in public period. Yeah. No more movie theaters, shopping malls, church, things like that. And I think with, I think with time, that number will wane. I do too. Um, you know, too. if you look at 1918, I'm sure coming out of that, people were still a little spooked. Of course, they didn't have access to information the way we do now. Not the same get, way. No. To, not to get spooked over, but. Oh, but misinformation was out there then. Oh, I'm sure. No, it was. I'm it married was, to it. It was in print. It was a newspaper. Yeah, I was married. I'm married to a historian. She will tell you. It, That's it, right. She for, is. Well, first of all, it wasn't just 1918. People have to realize it didn't finish it like really. years, wasn't it? Yeah, it was done until 1921. Yep. Honestly. Now, the good thing is, and as a lot of us have pointed out, what followed that pandemic was the Roaring Twenties. And for those of you that aren't old like me to remember those days, uh, <laughs> the, the Roaring Twenties was was the Jazz Age. Yes. You know, and and you know, it was a party atmosphere. People were ready to get out and have a good time and spend money. So I'm, you know, I am holding out hope that we're going to repeat that, uh, that same. I think we will. I've continued to say, I still think that our events industry will see the dawning of a new era um, of families coming together. And especially early on as it's safe to go back out, but economically not everyone's recovered. I think it'll look real similar after 2008, where we saw the financial meltdown that families said, well, we can't take that $5,000 trip to go to Disney world. 
but by God, we can go to the fair both weekends. We right. can we can right. buy the kids the wristbands. We I think we'll see that again. It's we just got to get there. Yeah, the fair industry has always been known as being pan, not pandemic proof, but um, recession proof. Yeah, because when there's lots of money floating around and people are traveling, they might go to the fair in some other state. Yeah, if there's not a lot of money, they still go to the fair at home because it's affordable. Yes, because once again, it's the only place where you can pay. 10 bucks, 15 bucks and do all the things you can do. Yep. Without spending more money. If you don't want, if, if you don't want to, you don't have to buy food. You don't have to spend more money if yeah. you don't want to. So I still think we're, our industry is positioned uniquely. Um, we'll be back before the concert industry comes back. I agree. Well, and if and you look as at far it, as we've, entertainment, yeah. we've dealt with, um, you know, swine flu, avian flu, we've dealt with outbreaks. We're probably mm. the industry that's almost in the best position to respond to this. Right, right. It's not a foreign concept by any means. Um, so, you know, and I think for you grounds acts out there, I think we're, you know, grounds acts are going to benefit first. They already are because, you know, you look at, um, you know, uh, strawberry festival in plant city, Florida, they're not doing concerts. Right. But they are doing a few grounds acts. Yep. And um, so, you know, keep, keep your faith friends, because I think, I think that will be the grounds acts are going to come back before anything else. I agree. Especially when you're looking at a fair that, like we said earlier, if they had a, you know, a hundred thousand dollar entertainment budget and now it's 40 or 50, mm -hmm. they're going to make every dollar count. Well, that's not going to be on one main stage act that costs them 40 grand. It's going to be right. on five or six smaller right. acts, eight smaller acts that they can fill their grounds with entertainment and, and value for the customer. Mm -hmm. um, and guess what? You know, once they experience that, they may go forward with that same kind of programming. Yeah. You know, even when they bring concerts back, they may, <clears throat> this is an opportunity for them to expand their grounds entertainment. And they go, oh, wow, this really worked nicely. Right. And look at all the photos on Facebook that we didn't have to pay for. And all, I mean, all this you know, all this good, this good mojo we're putting out there with the grounds acts. So I think, um, I think, I think it's, you know, now, do I think there will be people in our industry and fairs that may not exist in a year from now? Possibly. Yeah. I think more so on the act side. I mean, I've talked to a few performers who have just, you know, for no, through no fault of their own are in a tough situation financially. Yeah. Now, are you, are you able to say, are those acts, because one of the distinctions I've, I've seen is that an act that looks like me or even, you know, Richard Renner or Greg Frisbee or Lady Houdini, all that stuff, if it's paid for, just goes into storage and there's minimal overhead. Right. And there's probably, you know, when I had Jimmy Earhart on from Sea Lion Splash, you know, mm -hmm. Zoe and those other sea lions, they want to eat and they've got voracious appetites and they still need medical care and they still, you know, Jimmy's still right. got to pay to you know, for the, the water, the filtration systems and all that, there's still huge overhead. Do you think those kinds of acts, pig races, et cetera, are at higher risk than smaller acts that can just, just throw their stuff in depends on where storage? they were, if they had a surplus, you know, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a real individual. I mean, I have not, I have yet to hear of anybody that has gone out of the business at this point. Right. I think, well, I think if that's going to happen, it's going to be later this year. Yep. I agree. Um, do I know acts that are doing other jobs? Absolutely. For sure. And, you know, me, me included, you know, I've been, I've, um, I've been working at a local recording studio, uh, engineering 
demos for bands. Right. And, um, which I love doing, but it's not financially as lucrative as, you know, but it has kept me sane. That's the one thing I will say right. is that having that, that all encompassing focus to do something that I really enjoy. I mean, that's why we get into show business to begin with. Right. Yep. So uh, I feel really fortunate with that. The, um, but um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's going to be tough. And I think part of it's going to be, we, we really won't know until this season plays out because, you know, as we both know, a lot of acts, if you do two or three big fairs, you at least can survive the year. Correct. You know, if you assume you don't have a huge mortgage and all the other bills and stupid credit card debt and things like that. Yep. But um, so, you know, surviving is one thing and then getting past that point and starting to see growth, that's going to be 22, I think, before yeah, we I agree. see growth. Well, and even Jeremy Parsons, when I spoke with him on the show, talked about that they lost 2020. The mm -hmm. fair in 21, assuming they get to have it, is probably not going to be a full fair, but it is the bridge. It's the lifeline that will get them to 22 and hopefully a full fair right. season 22. Right, right. And they, and, you know, like a lot, like a lot of fairs, um, uh, Clay County Fair in Spencer, Iowa, where Jeremy manages, uh, they have um, a, a huge um, support from their customer base there. And the for those who haven't been there, the Clay County Fair is the size of, of some small state fairs. Yes. And really a great event, really well, really well run. And, and just it's just it's a classic county fair uh, on steroids. <laughs> it's really good. But they uh they solicited their their base their fan base and the the response was huge i mean it, it's enough to make a big difference going forward for the fair yeah so it's um you know people the once again goes back to my what i was saying before people want to go out and do things and the fair fan is as we know is is a true true blue fan of the event yep um they you know when people in spencer iowa heard there was a chance the fair may you know be in financial straits they didn't want to see that happen and they stepped up yeah so i, I think there's a lot of good things happening um looking but, at, well looking at the trade shows for a second i was going to ask you about that oh, yeah As we move forward with trade shows because that's a whole other uh, ball of wax in this industry do you think they continue looking the same way they have um, you know, with all of us just standing in our booths up and down these aisle after aisle, or do we maybe move more towards a hosted buyer where it's a more direct one-on-one, -on -one, something that may be a little more cost efficient? What do you think? Too soon to tell. I think the hard part is going to be um, we are an industry that doesn't change rapidly. Um, but 2020 has changed a lot of things rapidly. You know, a lot of things that were heading in the direction of just sped up, real, you know, to get there at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've discussed this with a lot of people, uh, both exhibitors and trade show managers, and not just in this industry, but other, you know, in the real world, <laughs> you know. Um, and there's a lot, of, a lot of talk about that. The biggest concern is, will trade shows even be relevant in a lot of industries? Because... There's industries that the virtual trade show did well. Right. And you know, the, the exhibitors liked it. 
Yes. Uh, I think in our industry, I, I think we're, we're going to have trade shows or some version of trade shows for a long time to come because it is a personal business. Yes. And as I've always said, even though, you know, even though all the business could be done just like we're doing right now or on the yep. phone or email or carrier pigeon or whatever, it's, it's part of the ritual of an, the annual meeting at the trade show. Yes. You know, I have clients that we've got everything already figured out before they show up in San Antonio or wherever the convention is going to be. And yet they still don't make a decision until they sit down, eat a couple of bites of chocolate off my table. Yep. And we talk about family and the weather and whatever else. And then we go down the list and decide what we're going to do. You know, it's just, it's just what we do. Yeah. And, and you know, I love that part of the, of the business personally. I, uh, you know, I, as you know, I'm a big believer in trade shows. I think it's a, a crucial part of the, of the, of the uh, equation of Absolutely. success in this business. Have you ever done any of your events? Um, have you ever done the hosted buyer sessions? Cause I did one with connect marketplace. They brought me out to Louisville last year mm -hmm. and they, they hooked me up with their connected buyer session. I fell in love with it. I was like, this is amazing. I would pay top dollar to be able to do this. The challenge with that with fairs versus the corporate market is when you're sitting down at the, at the table, across the table from the corporate buyer, that's the decision maker. And the problem with fairs then is so many fairs, I think they go back to their boards. Maybe right. the board does it. Maybe it's one, this person, maybe it's a group of people there who's the person you're going to sit down at that hosted buyer session to make it make sense. Right. Right. And I've, I've done, we did something similar to that in the casino industry. Well, and actually pre-casino, it's a long story, but a, a friend of mine uh, had a, an event, a, a, a production event called event pro forum out in Vegas for a few years. And, and I uh, co-produced it with him. And we did some, we always were changing things up, trying to make it different. Uh, but these are all people who've been in the industry forever. I mean, you know, I remember having a panel discussion with the, a, a film festival producer, a political debate producer, and the road manager for the Grateful Dead. <laughs> but, a combo. no, but you know what? All of us and me being a fair producer, we all have the same concerns you know, the money may scale up and down or the security concerns may scale up and down, but it's all the same stuff. Right. You know, and, but anyway, we, you know, we tried different kinds of trade show things. We did one where we just did lounges, just did these lounges in the, in the trade show room. And that was kind of fun because it was more casual, but I don't know the, explain what the, what the, uh, the buyer thing that you did. So the hosted buyer, what you did was you were given a schedule and you went to a room and there were probably, you know, 30 tables in a row. There are four or five, you know, rooms that had this. So, mm -hmm. you know, there are, you know, call 150 tables and you had appointments with say 50 of them and mm -hmm. the meetings lasted like four minutes or five oh, minutes each. So it's the speed dating deal. Okay. It, it, essentially. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And you go, yeah. you would go in, you'd sit down and you say, Hey, this is what I am. This is what I do. And they go, Oh, this is real close. I've got an event coming up in, you know, right. 2020 <laughs> right, right. that that might be perfect for this. Cool. Let's, let's stay into, and it's just a quick, it's your quick elevator pitch and you move, 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 move. But the cool no, thing I'd, was I'd you were with, it. you were with the like decision that. maker right away. Because mm -hmm. as you know, as much as I love meeting with everybody at the trade show, 
I, I have this split. I pull at both ends at the trade show because you get the people that come up to you and you have a great 10 minute conversation with them. And then they go, well, I'm not the decision maker, but I'll send them by. And you're like, oh, this part of it. Yeah. But, yeah. And, but at the same time, you part of me gets annoyed. But then part of me is like, you never say no for the other guy because you never know which person might be the what the spouse of a board member that says, I talked to this guy with this fortune machine and he's really good. You need to go see him. You two never stories. know who it is. Two stories that that back up what you're saying. One was this is before I was with Triangle and I was just a lowly act, you know, hustling what I did. And the um I was at a fair, I was oh I know I was I was visiting family and uh stopped at a fair office to drop off my materials. It was in the winter time. <clears throat> and I called the fair office and the person who answered the phone said, yeah, come on over. I'm here right now and come to the maintenance shop. <laughs> okay. That's All not right. very promising. Yeah. You don't think but so, you but, know. but so I show up and it's the maintenance director. He was the only one there on the grounds in the winter time, you know, making sure the place didn't burn down and you know, everything was working. And I'm thinking like you just said, oh, geez, okay, I'll be friendly and, you know, and we walk into his office. Well, Robert, it became real obvious to me that he was the guy because this yep. is back in videotape days, VHS tape days. And he had a stack of promo tapes <laughs> from Axe. Mile he high. was the first person to view all of the unsolicited videos. He was the guy, he was, he the, was gatekeeper. the gatekeeper. Yeah. So in that same, in that same uh, end of things, you never know down the road either who's going to go from being maintenance director to fair manager. Yep. I can think of three different fair managers that started out in that exact same position. Yep. So never assume that because somebody, I mean, it may not be an immediate reward, but correct down the road, you never know. Yep. And I have booked acts in the last probably 2017, I think it was 2017, the person walked up to me and they said, do you remember me? And I looked at their name badge and I said, yeah, I think I remember we talked, what, four four years ago, five years ago? Yep, mm -hmm. we had a great conversation. Uh, my board's ready to move on this now. That's the other thing. It takes a time. A five-minute conversation or 10-minute conversation in Las Vegas became a nice, you know, a nice business engagement four or five years later. Absolutely. Patience. You have to I mean, be patient. That's, that's why you want to go to the social events. That's why you want to uh, participate in the convention other ways. Don't just show up for the trade show and leave. Yep. Um, you know, the trade show is not a standalone make or break event. It is just part of the process. Yes. And if you do it right, it's just a very small part of the process. It's important. It's important. Right. But, you know, and this year has proven that. I mean, the the friendships I have, relationships I have with both buyers and and acts, and other people in the industry has really proven to be true this year because we're all just saying, "How you doing?" Yeah. Well, and I would say, out of all the work I've booked, I would bet less than ten percent of it comes on the trade show floor itself. Yeah. The overwhelming majority, somebody comes by, they see something, unless they're like, you know, when LA County booked me a number of years ago where they see it and they went, we have to move on that right now. 
most yeah. of these fairs, they go, oh, you know, the, the, you got to marinate these fairs a lot of times for a while because I think in some cases there are so many people. They know they can't make the decision right then. They have to go back and talk right. about it with the board. Right. There's times I've left trade shows going, you know, I spent all my time just socializing with people, and I almost you know, like, did I forget to do business? Did I screw up? Did I waste all no, my you time were and doing money? Business. You were but doing business. business, yeah. And then in the yes. next, you know, by March first, I'm like, man, I got a nice, healthy, you know, summer and fall run going on. All because yeah. instead of going, hey, you know, these people that book me, book me, book me, they cram their crap in everybody's hand. I just said, hey, how you doing? Tell me about your fair. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. No, it's it's a relationship business, and this, and more so in our industry than any other industry I've, I've been involved in with entertainment. Um, it's, it just, it, it's so heartbreaking when someone leaves the industry, you know, for whatever reason, you know, it's like, Oh, you got a real job in the real world. Oh man. Right. Right. <laughs> or like what happened with Nebraska there a year or so back where so yeah. many of them, I mean, these are people, you know, Chelsea and so many of their team that were just wonderful people that, yep. you know, it hurt it all of us for to see them have to go. It, it hurt. And, you know, it's just, it's part of the, part of the natural uh, evolution, I guess, of the business. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're automatically out with the right. next group of management. Cause a lot of times they want to kind of keep some consistency, you know, what's worked, what hasn't, you know, yep. they move along with it, but yeah, it's just, it's, uh, you know, and I've been doing this, I did my first fair when I was like in junior high school, I think, or high school. Wow. Yeah. They high school. school. They had high school back then. Well, we had, um, we all got together around the fire <laughs> and once the, the saber tooth tigers and the woolly mammoths were scared away, then we then the lessons to, became, we, they count rock, we counted rocks. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's, what were we talking about? I got distracted. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Just that it's a relationship business. I mean, it is, it's it been, is. A, it's been a rough time. We've in relationships faced challenges uh, but we can't, it can't all be doom and gloom on, on the show though. There have to have been some good things for you that happened in 2020. What are some silver linings? Hmm. Well, in some cases I found out who my real friends were. Um, I'm not talking about the industry. I'm just talking about in general, you know? Sure. Um, and I realize that while money is important, it obviously isn't everything. We, I mean, we already, we like to tell ourselves that, but once again, these are the times when you realize how important having friends and family around you, having a good support system, how crucial it is. And that in the big scheme of things, ultimately none of this really matters. You know, we're, we're here to provide fun, which does matter. But whether I'm here tomorrow selling acts or somebody else is, someone's going to, someone's going to do my job. Yep. Someone's going to do some version of your job or, you know, some version of a band or some They're version. They're already trying. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it was easy for me now. To, it's easier for me now to not take things so seriously, including most importantly myself, you know, um, you know, none of us are indispensable. We just, you know, we like to we're think all we're all replaceable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in the meantime, have a good time, have fun, you know, love the people who love you yeah, and, and try to love the ones who don't. Yeah. And, um, you know, you mentioned family. Speaking of that, how's Zach doing? Uh, Zach is my son. 
Yeah. Uh, he's he's uh, 31 and now married and has uh, the most adorable grandchild that's yes. ever been born on the planet. I saw there's a grandbaby in the picture for you. That's how, right. old's, how old's baby? Uh, Nigel is a year and a half and uh, absolute genius child and good looking, of course, because of the genetics. And uh, <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. That's been, that's another thing that's been, you know, above and beyond everything else though, is the family part during all this. I've been able, while I've been home, I've got to see the grandkid a lot. Yeah. And that's been wonderful. That's good. Especially those early days. Cause right. you know, I didn't, I'm sure you, you remember this from when Zach was a baby. And now that, that Nate, my son is just turned 10. Can you believe that? Mm-hmm. They do that. And uh, you know, I saw those pictures of the grandbaby and I immediately flashed back to when Nate was little and, Oh God, the stress that year. Cause do you remember what happened at IFE that year? How that all rolled out? Sarah was due during IFE. Oh, that's I, right. I flew out to Las yeah. Vegas, but what the thing that killed me was I got to the airport, I drive down to the airport in Albuquerque and I get paged. Well, Southwest <laughs> Airlines passenger, Robert Smith, pick up a white courtesy phone. I'm like, oh, no. no way. She just went into labor. I get the call. Hey, you left your cell phone. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Oh my God. I said, okay. Okay. She's like, do you need me to drive it down to you? I'm like, no, I'm boarding in like 40 minutes. I said, do this. You've got the phone in that phone. You've got Mark Sparks number. You got Kevin Ridgeway's number. You got Steve Seaver's number. You got all sorts of people that get me on the floor. Right. As soon as I get there, I'm going to get a burn phone and then I'll, I'll call you. But Oh my God. I didn't, I didn't didn't know that. That's funny. So let me ask you this. I was such a mess. I was a mess at that convention. were, Were you more in a panic? before you found out why she was calling you or after (laughs) (laughs) wow actually no actually i careful i think it i think it honestly was after because when when she when she first called it was like this would be how it's going to be i'm going to turn around she's going to tell me i'm going i'm getting for contractions i'm going into labor Right. right and uh sure enough when she was like you left your phone i'm all Oh crap. Now, now I don't have a life. She didn't have a lifeline to me. If she goes into like back that we had Southwest airline schedule. Like mm-hmm. I knew when I could get out, if I had to jump, I'd already called Southwest said, Hey, what happens if this is the case? And they advised me on it. I told Steve Seaver, Hey, I know I'm not allowed to leave my booth. And Steve's like, Robert, if she goes in the <laughs> pack your damn booth and go. And he's fact, a daddy. He, he knows. Goes, I think if I recall, he even said, if you have to just go, we'll take right. your stuff down and t- right. get it taken care of. And I mean, right. I had like a banner. I, I deliberately had nothing. And then that was the year you walked Happy Norris from Lake County over to me. And you, I remember your words were, um, he's looking for a magician that can kind of do a grounds act. And I'm pretty sure your pregnant wife would like to know you came home with a confirmed contract. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'll do it. That sounds like me. Yeah. Yes, I'll yeah. do it. I'm happy yeah. to do it. Oh, man. So listen, if you weren't an agent, what would you be doing? Performing. You just, performing. You'd go back to performing? Yeah, or something in show business. I mean, um, the same reason that I like working in the studio because it's just still part of this industry that I love. I, I mean, I grew up, my, my dad was a guitar player, uh, played in the local Springfield, Missouri Beatles wannabe band, uh, you know, played all the school dances. Actually, when he was in the band, the Beatles didn't exist yet. There was, uh, he graduated high school in 59, I think. And um, 
but they were what 64 they did ed sullivan was it 64 yeah I mean, like they that? were around then but i mean as far as but they were playing all the top hits you know of the day you know he right. and his buddies and so i grew up you know as a small child and my folks divorced when i was really little and i didn't get didn't know my dad really until i was an adult but i still that there was still that influence in my head of him playing music and then um you know i, I just I just never thought about doing anything else but being in show business, right? You know, and it was magic, you know, seeing magicians on television and and in the movies and things like that, and in person. Um, that's kind of went that direction. It was either music or magic. And my grandmother, who was financing my world at that time, she says, "I'll pay for one or the other," right. and probably would have been cheaper for me to uh, play music, but <laughs> she would have had to, probably would have supported me more at the, you know, longer, but. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just would be, I'd be doing something in the business. Yeah. You know, if this all went away tomorrow, I'd, I'd, I'd be back on the street corner, you know, doing magic tricks and juggling and passing the hat. So yeah, that's, that's what I do. I, I, I think it's, it gets in our blood, you know, to be performers, to create, that's mm -hmm. what this podcast was for me. I mean, we, Sarah and I talked about kind of restarting it as the marketing podcast, um, earlier in the year, like around February, we were talking about it and we thought, well, let's get through, cause I was going to go do Sydney Royal Easter show. And I was like, let's get through Australia. And then we'll, mm -hmm. oh man, that was, no, would not have been the time to be talking to fairs about how they were doing back in March and <laughs> April. Cause they would so, tell you. <laughs> yeah, they would, they, I would have gotten an earful. Um, but you know, to start creating this again, back in October and roll it out in November has been, it's been therapeutic. It's given me purpose to feel like I'm connected to everybody again. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's given a lot of people a voice to share their story. And I'm now at the point where after 30 some odd episodes, I'm now starting to get emails from people going, you know, I listened and I think I might like to be a guest on your show. Right. Okay, come on, let's talk. Um, you know, let's, we'll tell stories and, and create, create memories here in this format. Speaking of, you do a lot of fairs throughout the year. You show up because um, mm -hmm. triangles, you know, well, when, when, when they so happen, many. yeah, we, when they happen, <laughs> is there a favorite fair memory that you have? Ooh, boy, there's a lot, there's a lot of them. Yeah, oh, yeah. Now you, you're talking about stories I can tell on on this podcast. Yes, appropriate, oh, okay, all right, appropriate, so that I do not have to check the really, box that says explicit content. Do yeah, there's some that are really classic, but I, yeah, I know <laughs> those happen at conventions. Don't lie. Oh, no. Oh, I got a good, I got a good one. You know, Paul Isaac, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So Paul Isaac, for those who don't know, Paul is a juggler out of Canada, really funny guy, great guy. And he um, finishes his act with an escape where he has people come up and you know what, you know what pallet wrap is where they take this, it's like industrial yes. saran wrap, you know? Yes. So he's wrapped up in this pallet wrap from, from his, from his shoulders down to his ankles and he escapes. So um, we were having a, a production meeting at a fair and meaning that we were all going to get together uh, after hours and go over production notes. Okay. We're drinking beer anyway. So uh, yeah, I got, I knew where you were going with that. So my RV is parked next to the, the, the trailer, the, the uh, trailer that was used for a dressing room in my office also. And that's where we were all going to meet. So the acts are all showing up. And we're all visiting stuff. And, and um, uh, at one point, someone says, hey, Mark, do you have so-and-so? And I go, oh, it's over in my RV. So I, I go out the door. I walk around the corner of the trailer to go in my RV. 
And lo and behold, I cannot get in my RV because my whole damn RV has been pallet wrapped. <laughs> so Paul, wow. and I think the, the Hurricane twins, Mitch and Michael were involved in that too. And, uh, and some others, but it was so funny because all these acts were, when I, when I, I look at this, I turn around, look at the trailer and looking out the window are all the performers with the blinds up going, ah, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, it was, that was, of all the attempts to get me, that got me. I, yeah. I, I was speechless at that moment, you know? I, he said, and I said, Paul, what were you thinking? He goes, look, we like you. Here's how you know, because we did <laughs> it while you were outside you. the RV. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't lock you in. Right. Yeah, because there's no way. I mean, that pallet wrap is tough stuff, you know? So, yep. Yeah, so that's see that was a good one. Um that man. reminds me of when Tyson totally jacked me at South Florida Fair in 2017. I had uh you know, he had he was on the main stage there uh, doing his hypnosis show and he had just gotten a new clock to uh like a little digital clock to keep at the side of the stage to be able to mm -hmm. track his time. And so he just got it. He literally, we were sharing a dressing room. He'd unwrapped it. He's like, oh, God, I can't wait to use this on the show. I'm going to set it up on the side and we're, I'm going to figure out, hopefully I don't screw things up now that I've got something new to look at, you know, and it breaks his rhythm. And I'm like, yeah, you wouldn't want your rhythm to get broken, would you? And he's like, no, that would suck. So he puts it up there and he's getting ready to go on stage. And I took a, a notepad and in big Sharpie letters, I put, you suck. And I put it right next to the clock. And I go back and I'm, I'm sitting at the back of the house with the audio guys and he's partway through his induction and he looks over and he's like, and on the count of three, you'll hear three. What, uh. <laughs> There's this moment where he looks and he's like, he's done. Who That's put it. that there? And so he finds out it's me. We are dying at the back of the house. He finds out it's me. And he's like, I figure I'm like, okay, you're going to get me back. So he brings in like five days later, he brings in this, the jelly bean game, the sour jelly bean game, what bamboozled or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. And uh, he makes me eat like jelly beans that taste like barf and it's just awful. And he's like, oh yeah, so now we're even, I got you back. And I'm like, okay, well played. Until that night when I walk back out to my car and I find 600,000 post-it notes on my car and the front window he spells out in post-it notes no you suck <laughs> and he tells me this i'm like you got to be kidding me he is dying laughing everybody is uh is out there um lisa dudding's daughter uh ashley i think yeah. was out there all they're all videotaping me and i'm just like oh my god and then he goes but dude you got to understand while you were in there performing when i got here because we were literally right in the same parking lot with west palm beach county sheriff's office he goes I got sheriff's deputies helping. I got random fair guests walking into the fair helping. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh my go to the fair. God. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yes. Good memory. I just, I learned my lesson. You never jack Tyson because he will come back and get you and he'll get you good. Good to know. Good to yeah. know. I, uh, oh, let's see. All kinds of things have happened over the years. I've had uh, more than once. I've had a monkey in my uh, RV uh, when, um, um, you know, uh, wild about monkeys when, when they were still on the road, right. Uh, it would be nothing for, for Kevin and Martina to come over to visit and, um, and bring one of the monkeys with him. And, you know, he'd just sit there with, you know, having a glass of wine with you and a couple of friends and a monkey and, and you know, monkey. It's totally normal in the fair industry. It's it is. A, it's one of those things that I always remember about when we were in Las, more so when we were in Vegas than, than 
in San Antonio, but I think because of the close quarters nature of the way it was set up in Vegas is we're basically a freak show can trade show. You know, you have, you have a giant, you know, you got Mark giant nine foot, 10 foot tall robot. You've got a giant tree. You've got, you know, escape artists and magicians and you've got clowns and you go walking back through the casino to work your way back up to your room. And people are just sitting there staring going, what the hell is going on in this casino? You know, the, I remember a, uh, uh, well, a couple things. One, when we were still in Vegas, there would be a lot of uh, talent people from uh, LA showing up. A lot of, uh, a lot of uh, casting people would come yep. through very quietly. Um, and, and they were looking for things, you know, they were looking for specific things sometimes, or just, just checking it out because it was the only, it is the only convention in North America that has the number of entertainers and varieties. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, nothing else compares to it. So uh, I remember I had a first time fair manager. Uh, he was a, it was a fair I'd been working with for a long time, still do. And he had not, he had been in the trade show industry prior and that's how in, in the ag trade show industry, but he had never you know, managed a fair. So he says, yeah, I'm going to come out to the convention. And I, oh, okay, fine. Yeah. So I kind of, you know, gave him the rundown and at the end of the uh, end of his first day there, he, he grabs a beer at the lounge and comes over to my booth and sits down. And I said, so how was your first day at the fair convention? He goes, this is the weirdest damn thing I've ever been to in my life. It is. And how do you explain it? Like, I still have a hard time. I mean, you guys helped me come up with the idea for Conjure. People go, what do you do for a living, Robert? And I say, well, uh, well I, um, <laughs> to a decade I've been doing this. I still don't know how the hell to describe it to people. Right. And then as I bumble through it, they're like, and they pay you for that? And you get paid for that? You know, one time when, when Zach was little, he was probably, I don't know, four, three or four years old. He was talking by then. So uh, probably about, he didn't talk for, you know, Zach's going at home right now going, oh, stop, dad, shut up. <laughs> but he was, he was a late talker, you know? So, so anyway, he was probably about four and we, were, we went to Walmart one day to get some stuff and, and I was getting some uh, office supplies, you know, and envelopes and stuff. And this is back in the videotape days. So, you know uh padded mailers and all that kind of stuff so we're checking it out and the lady at walmart she looks at zach and she says so are you helping your daddy with business today yes i am he says <clears throat> oh well, what does your daddy do and without missing a beat he says my daddy sells videotapes in the mail <laughs> i can only imagine what that clerk thought and i said oh no ma'am you have to understand no, no, I, i'm in show business entertain oh i'm sure you are no no really <laughs> seriously i am <laughs> wow yep those kids i'll tell you what well listen mark we're we're coming up on about an hour and a half just about out of time before we go everyone i bring on the show i put them through a little speed round of questions so i'm gonna ask questions you give me your best answer you ready yes question number one i already know the answer to this one wait 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 wait, was was the first question a question in this or not oh man don't you ask if i was ready Is that the first question? Yes, first question. So yes, you're ready. Question number two then, iPhone or Android? Oh, iPhone. I knew the answer to that. However, however. Oh, here's here's the caveat. Android tablets. Do you really? Yep. What's the, no, I I know this is speed round, but I'm going to pause the speed round. Why the distinction? um, I, I received as a corporate gift 
few years ago from somebody who thought I was going to buy a giant trade show booth. Boy, they were mistaken. Uh, <laughs> but they, this company sent out these little seven inch um, uh, Amazon fire tablets. Uh-huh. And I played with, them. I went, this is faster than my iPad. And so I have a couple of Android fire HD tens I use, and they're like on sale, they're a hundred bucks. Much better alternative to the six, $700 for the iPad. Right. Right. No, right. I use, yeah. Anyway. So, but, but as far as like daily operations and, and survival, it's the iPhone iPhone yes. all the way through. Yep. yep. All right. Next question. If I checked your music app on your iPhone, which music artists will have played the most? Wow. Well, lately it would be people I've recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Cause I'm always listening going, what did I do wrong? Right. Uh, wow. Uh, lots of reggae. Lot, well, I'd say it'd be a tie between Bob Marley, Grateful Dead, Jimmy Buffett. Uh, it's a speed round, Mark. <laughs> yeah, there's too many. There's too many. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what's the last book you read? Um... Fiction or nonfiction? The last book you read. Last book I read. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you tell me. God, you're so picky. Um, see, I'm trying. I read multiple books at the same time. What's um, your favorite book you've read? Let's go with that. Is that one it, easier or no? <laughs> yeah. I, I'll, how about my favorite author? My favorite author is, is, is Tim Dorsey. Tim Dorsey, favorite author. Tim Dorsey. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, if you could have a guest role on any television show, what would it be? Oh, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. Nice. <laughs> and in that same vein, if a movie was made about your life, which actor would play you? Well, Brad Pitt, of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stop. Really? What? Oh, my God. What are you showing me on the... It's <laughs> it's. It's Rick. It is. Oh, it is. I got yeah. it. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> he's got a Rick and Morty statue. He's showing me on the on the camera yeah. right now. Yeah, he's my mascot here. All right, I'll remember that. <laughs> Mark, I, listen, man. I really enjoyed catching up with you. I'm glad you could come yeah, on the show. If folks want to get a hold of Triangle, have some uh, entertainment things they want to talk about, where can they find you? I'm sorry, that information is private. It is private. So we're going to refer you to a different agency. <laughs> Who's that? Okay, let's see. So it's it's uh, triangletalent.com, uh, Triangle Talent on Facebook. Uh, you can do uh, msparks at triangletalent.com. That's my email. And I'll even give you my phone number because it's everywhere anyway. So if that's up to you, I'm not requiring anyone to give a phone number out I on know, the podcast. No, it's everywhere. I don't care. It's it's a, it's a 502-594-1276. Awesome. Mark Sparks, uh, buddy. Thank you. You're the vice president of Triangle Talent is on my show. Great conversation. Thanks for being on the show today, man. Thanks for having me. It was fun. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.